After lots of focus of players who might come into Bloomington via the transfer portal over the last week, it was a pair of players who announced they would be leaving on the men's and women's program each on Tuesday. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob. want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Uh, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Things started really heating up on Tuesday with the transfer portal as both the men's and women's team had a player enter the portal. We'll start on the men's side because it was the bigger name and I'm sure one that probably didn't surprise many people. I alluded to a pair of players that I, it sounded like were going to enter the portal. Tamar Bates was one of them. He announced, or I guess he didn't officially announce, reports came out on Tuesday that he was entering the transfer portal. And again, not a surprising move. It it just wasn't working in Bloomington. And it, it's, a, I guess, frustrating, disappointing how things played out for him with the Hoosiers. He came in with a lot of kind of fanfare. He he kind of came out of nowhere when he committed to Indiana. How quickly he went from decommitting to committing to the Hoosiers. And he just never really seemed to find his footing in Bloomington. It was an underwhelming two seasons. Specifically, I think this past year was a really disappointing one because he came in I think a lot of people expected kind of a breakout year after a freshman year where you might maybe underperform or were underwhelming. That's, I mean, you see that all the time. It's an adjustment that some guys make more easily than others. Maybe it was, I thought physically he wasn't ready for Big Ten basketball. And that looked the case his freshman year. I thought he was going to have a breakout year his sophomore year. It just never happened. He was given plenty of opportunity, uh, even late in the season. He had all of the opportunity to make an impact, and it just never really worked out. There's a lot of potential there, and I would not be surprised wherever he goes if things really click for him and he turns into, I mean, I think he's an all-conference caliber player if, if things really click for him offensively. Uh, it just never did in Indiana, which is kind of confounding. I mean, he has all the tools of being a three-level scorer. He would kind of show it in bursts and in flashes, but there was never really any sub any stretch of games where he would do it. If you look at his scoring, uh, he only had three double-digit, excuse me, four double-digit scoring games his freshman year. Only two of them were back-to-back, -back, and it was 11 points against St. John's, 10 points against Louisiana. And then you look this season, it was all over the place. Uh, 22 points against Jackson State, but then 5 points against UNC and Rutgers. 19 points against Nebraska. He loved playing Nebraska. Followed it up with 13 points against Arizona. 
13 total points in the next two games. Then had that big game right before Christmas against Kennesaw State where he saved Indiana, I think, in that game. We called for him to start. That felt like the right call at the time. He did start, and it lasted two games, and he moved back out of the starting lineup, which, again, I think was the right call. And then Big Ten play came, and he was just a non-factor. Uh, 11 points in that horrible loss to Penn State. I it, Nothing IU, any IU player did in that game was impactful, so you can kind of write that off. He had the one game against Michigan State at home where he had 17 points. And then that was really it. Scored 14 points against Penn State in the Big Ten tournament and another loss. I think the fact that he played 40 minutes in two tournament games and did not score was 0 of 13 is kind of telling about where he was. He he had chances. He just didn't really seize on them. I thought he'd improved leaps and bounds defensively this season. He was one of the better defenders IU had, and I, I want to commend him as well. His effort never dropped. He didn't seem like someone who, when things weren't going well, especially this year, he he didn't like slump his shoulders, stop trying, things like that. He he was still trying throughout the season, which is why I think it's a little bit more frustrating that this didn't really work. At his best, he was a difference maker. I mean, you look at the handful of games this year. We mentioned Kennesaw State, that Michigan State game at home. He was different make, difference makers in both, but that was it. Uh, the Those moments were very rare, and effectively they were non-existent in Big Ten play. He had a ton of games where it was just IU was getting nothing out of him. And it's hard to really survive like that, especially this season when Xavier Johnson goes down. There was a 13-game stretch between uh, that Michigan State game where he scored 17 points and that Big Ten tournament game where he scored 14 points. Over a 13-game span, he scored 2.7 points per game, shot 23% from the field, 17% from the three-point line. That's not going to do it. And I I don't blame him for looking somewhere else. I think a change of scenery would do him very well. I, I root for the best for him. But you can't have somebody playing that many minutes that was that much of a non-factor offensively, no matter... You have to be an elite, special, lockdown defender to get away with that. And that wasn't the case with Tamar. This does start to declutter some things in the backcourt. Um, although, I mean, I think they're going to get, maybe not cluttered up, but you'll get some more variation on that. If uh, I'll pull it up here. We can take a look at the scholarship situation now for Indiana now up to three open scholarships. I, from what it sounds like, there will be someone else on that list that is probably going to enter the transfer portal. I'm not going to name names. You guys, it doesn't take much searching, and I'm sure most of you guys know who it probably is anyway. Just take your best guess. You had that. You had Jalen hood Shafina, who is almost certainly gone, and suddenly you're up to five open scholarship spots. So that's why I use casting this big net. And it's staying big. Jamison Battle, IU, is having an in-home visit with him on, um, well, today as I record this, on Tuesday. So that net is staying big, and IU is trying to bring in some talent from any number of directions. But this opens it up officially to, to three scholarship spots. 
at least four, probably five. It could be more if Xavier Johnson doesn't get that waiver, but we're we're operating on uh, optimism on that one that he will get that. But as I said, kind of declutters some things in a sense. Uh, you have Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton coming in that could take up some of those minutes. Cups is going to play. He'll be the backup point guard, barring some big transfer coming in that takes those minutes. Ja'Kai Newton may play. CJ Gunn, I think, will get some minutes there. Uh, Trey Galloway obviously going to be playing as well. So that's why I use going after someone like Nick Timberlake uh, that we've talked a lot about. That's why they're targeting some of the players that they are. They knew that Tamar Bates was entering the portal. So big news there. But they weren't the only uh, Bloomington team to have someone enter the portal on Tuesday. The women's team lost a player as well. We'll take a look at who... We'll look at their situation as well. We haven't really looked at where the women uh, women's team stands. They could make some moves during the transfer portal as well. We'll do all that here in one moment. First, let's talk about FanDuel. The tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Make some bets on the Final Four this weekend. If you're wrong, you get your bonus bets back and you can try it again in the National Championship game. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on. Sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. All on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at that no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Shout out to you guys for making us your first listen or your first watch every single day. Make sure you guys are checking out Locked On College Basketball as well. Those guys are killing it over there. And it's Final Four week. They are uh, they're wrapping up the coverage for the season. So get everything you need to know before you make those bets on FanDuel. Let's talk about the women's team. Uh, I thought there could be some transfers. There were a lot of players on IU's women's team that were on scholarship that just were not playing. Perhaps the, uh, I don't want to say least surprising, but Mona Zarich entered the transfer portal for Indiana on Tuesday, she was one of those players who was on scholarship and was not really making any sort of impact. I mean, she played 14 games this year and scored 14 points, and it was all garbage time. Uh, she just was not someone that had carved out any sort of role for the Hoosiers. She didn't play any minutes of note. UMass Lowell, she played 15 minutes, but that was a blowout. Quinnipiac, Moorhead State, all blowouts, all games she scored points. Her last, The last time she scored was against Quinnipiac. She had seven points. That was December 18th. Uh, the only other time she played was one minute here, there in blowouts. She played three minutes in the NCAA tournament, stuff like that. So a non-factor for the Hoosiers. Best of luck to her, as always. There's no hard feelings there. Hope she finds a place where she can be a factor because, I mean, to be honest, Indiana is a really good team. There are players on the bench that can go be factors at, uh, elsewhere. 
Let's bring up the women's scholarship, the same kind of screen, uh, where here's your one big difference. And I didn't learn this till today either. So the women actually have 15 scholarships. I did not know that. I found it out today. So that means IU has three open scholarships right now. They, Caitlin Peterson transferred during the season. She, uh, she was actually playing early on in the year as a point guard, kind of the backup point guard. Her transferring opened up minutes for Lexus Bargasser, uh, but Peterson transferred to the University of Central Florida. Uh, play, she played a couple seasons at IU, and like I said, she was making an impact, I thought, but that was something that kind of slid under the radar that I'd kind of forgot about till I started to look at things to put this chart together. Uh, IU also came into the season with an open scholarship spot as well. So just because they have three spots doesn't mean that they would necessarily use them. Now, what does IU need? Somewhat similarly to the men's team, it's a guard-heavy um, roster right now. Scalia, Chloe, Parrish, Bargasser, Sandvik, uh, Lene Beaumont, Jules Lamandola, all guards with varying degrees of expertise. So I think if you're looking at anything... Some front court depth, though I think the center position specifically with Mackenzie Holmes and uh, Lily Meister I think will be fine. It's kind of some forward positions. You have Yarden Garzon who can play as a forward, but you don't really have anyone else that can be a forward to back her up. So if you could find someone like that, that would be nice. Those players are hard to find in the women's game. So, uh, I think that would be the type of player that they might look after. Perhaps a, a, a three-point shooting wing. Uh, they do have better three-point shooting, obviously, this year. Scalia, Chloe, Parrish, all were solid three-point shooters. You can never have too much three-point shooting, though. So perhaps they look for another three-point shooter. Uh, per, a point guard as well, maybe. I think between Scalia, Chloe... And Bargasser, they probably have enough ball handling. Garzon can handle the ball as well, but perhaps maybe you go for another point guard. It's interesting. They have a little bit of free reign there. And look, we saw last year that um, Terry Morin can pull things off <laughs> out of nowhere. There are not nearly as many rumors, basically any rumors, when it comes to the women's transfer portal. Scalia landing at IU was entirely out of nowhere. So... I wouldn't be surprised if a similar thing happened this year if they do land someone. I would be surprised if it's someone as big as Scalia, though. Realistically, I don't know that you can really promise someone a starting spot, nor do I think Morin would. Your lineup is looking like Scalia, Parrish, Chloe Moore, McNeil, Gerzon, and McKenzie, Mack, next year. But there's a lot of minutes behind there. Bargasser, I, I would almost guarantee, would get will get a good chunk of minutes next season. Meister will get an increased amount of minutes, uh, but you have some some openings after that. Maybe Lene Beaumont, Jules Lamandola, they're both very talented. They come in and maybe take some minutes, but there are minutes to be had as a backup if you're willing to come in, play as a reserve player, maybe spot starter for. IU's going to be a top 10 team again next year, if not better than that. So if you're willing to do that, there's a role to be had. So the Hoosiers are kind of operating from a power of strength. They can be a little choosy in 
who they go after, at least this season, you can see with this chart, they're going to start losing players real quickly. Scallion Holmes, uh, this is their final season regardless in Bloomington. And then next year, or the year after that, excuse me, uh, Parrish and Chloe Moore McNeil will also be using their last year. They would have, uh, that's, I mean, I'm assuming on the women's side that everybody's going to use their extra year of eligibility, but they may take it elsewhere, but you can see kind of how quickly this goes from right now. IU has 12. It would be down to 11 already next year, but then it's down to six. So it's going to jump real quickly here. IU has some openings. We'll see how they use them in the coming week, weeks. Uh, things, again, kind of move quickly on the women's side, quickly and silently. Uh, out of nowhere, we're gonna, just going to hear, boom, somebody's committed to Indiana. On the note of the women's basketball team, Grace Berger officially entered the WNBA draft on Tuesday. We'll talk a little bit about that. Take a look at where she might end up being drafted. Do all that here in one moment. The WNBA announced not a, the entire list, but effectively the list of players entering the WNBA draft. It doesn't include players in the final four. Uh, there are notable players there, but among them, as it pertains to the Hoosiers, was Grace Berger. Alyssa Geary was not, but Grace Berger was uh, not shocking and the consensus seems to be, as you kind of look around a little bit, seems like she's probably a first-round pick. WNBA draft is weird in a lot of ways. There are only 12 teams. There's three rounds. The WNBA could do... They could use some expansion, at least adding a team or two. Because as things stand right now, I was talking to Sabrina Merchant, who was on the show before the women's tournament, I was talking to her off air once we were done and the issue that happened last year is that these teams already have full rosters. So unless you're a first round pick and even then at times you're probably not guaranteed a roster spot. Now that being said, it certainly seems like Grace Berger is going to be a first round pick. That three-point shooting is a concern. I thought it was really interesting when she came back from her injury. She attempted more threes in that span than I felt I'd seen her in the last two years at Indiana. Uh, she shot 27 threes this year. She shot 50 her sophomore year, 34 the year after that. But she only shot 23 all of last year. She missed a chunk of games this year. She seemed far more aggressive when she came back from injury. Uh, if you look, the date she came back uh, was the chunk of her shooting. She averaged a three-pointer a game. So uh, only six three-pointers in the six games she played to start the year. And then the rest came uh, over the final 18 games of the season. So it was a noticeable uptick in attempts. She shot 42.9%. That's going to be the big thing from her is whether she can be productive and knock down three-pointers like that. I think she can. She showed enough of it that I would think that WNBA teams think she'll be able to as well. Uh, but that's kind of the only knock on her right now, and she does plenty of other things well enough 
to make up for it. She's certainly someone, and anybody that watched IU, we said it all year long, stats don't really say how good she is, basically. She is a floor general, a calming force, and if she can be that in the WNBA, she's going to have a lengthy career. If you look at some of the mock drafts, again, it is next to impossible to find mock drafts for the WNBA, but two reputable places have put them out recently, so we'll look at that. ESPN uh, released one on the 21st, so a week ago, and had Grace Berger as the number nine pick to the Seattle Storm safely within the first round. If you're drafting someone ninth overall, you're probably not going to be cutting them. You're probably committing to them moving forward. So uh, the ninth pick, there's, again, 12 spots. The The Indiana Fever have a number of picks. The number one overall pick, the number seven pick, and then the first pick of the second round. So there's a somewhat decent chance that she's drafted to the Fever, but, I mean, we saw last year they drafted Allie Patberg, and she didn't even make the – the roster, she was cut pretty shortly thereafter. So I'm not going to get my hopes up this time around, but we'll see. If you look at The Athletic, again, Sabrina Merchant, go follow. I mean, follow her. She's in. She was in Seattle. She's going to be down at the Final Four as well. If you can stomach it, I'm like I said, I am far too petty to watch much else uh, in terms of basketball. I might watch the men's Final Four just because of the absurdity of it this year, but I don't think I can stomach the women's final four. I should be there, but Sabrina did a mock draft on the 15th. So just about two weeks ago at this point, exactly two weeks ago, uh, before the tournament started, she had uh grace Berger as a number 12 pick to the Minnesota Lynx. The final pick of the first round and that seems to be kind of the range. Ninth is as high as I've seen. A lot of people draft her to the fever. And I don't know if that's just like, oh, that'd be kind of a fun story. I wouldn't be against it. Whoever drafts Grace Berger, like I am committing myself to that team. Assuming Grace makes the roster and whatnot, I will commit myself to following that WNBA team. I think there's a fair amount of people who might follow suit, but I am fully committed wherever she goes selfishly i'd love to watch her play for the fever because then you can literally go watch her play it's a lot easier but um regardless i i'm excited to see what she can do at the next level and i think she's gonna have a really impactful career i think we're gonna try to bring someone on probably next week that watches both college and professional WNBA basketball to kind of give a scouting report on grace and get a better sense of what her role is going to be in the WNBA and whether they think she can make it. So we'll try to do that next week, but the draft is April 10th. It is barely more than a week away. They do things quick in the WNBA. The season ends and boom, you're going to the WNBA draft and then boom, the season starts. So there will be no wet, no rest for the weary in that regard. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We're going to talk about the women's team at some point. I don't want to promise it. I know I keep delaying it, but the way transfer news is, um, it's hard. It's impossible to predict. So I want to, at some point this week, talk about the women's season, but we'll have any transfer news that happens. You guys can check in here daily and we'll get you covered with that. 
Make sure you're checking out Lockdown College Basketball. The final days before the final four. Isaac Shade, Andy Patton, doing amazing work over there. Give them a follow. It's available on YouTube wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter if you have not already. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a quick rating and review. All that helps out immensely. Most importantly, though, guys, hope everybody has a great Wednesday. And as always, LEO.